The step one pass fail. I've received multiple requests to make a detailed video on how the exam will change after it becomes pass fail and the best study strategy and plan to prepare for this exam. In this video, we'll talk about the best resources that you can use to prepare for the exam after it becomes pass fail, assessment tools, studying strategies for the exam day and the last week, and what will play a role after the step one becomes pass fail, especially for international medical graduates. You can check out my step one experience video that I published almost a year ago and my biostatistics course, which will help you ace the biostatistics part on your USMLE exams. The first question that I want to answer today is, will the exam become harder after it becomes pass fail? Recently, the USMLE announced that they increased the passing score from 194 to 196. So they didn't mention that the exam materials itself or the questions will become harder. So personally, I don't think that the exam itself will become harder. They just increased the passing score by two points. So you shouldn't be afraid or concerned that the exam itself will become more difficult. The second question is what are the best resources that I can use to pass the step one after it becomes pass fail? And in my opinion, the study strategy and plan that you should have after the exam becomes pass fail should be different from the one that you have when you're trying to score 250s or 260s. The reason is you want to optimize the time that you have before you apply to residency to do as much research as possible, as much US clinical experience as possible. So you want to pass the exam as soon as possible and start preparing for the other factors rather than spending too much time on the exam just to pass it. The best resources to prepare for the step one after it becomes pass fail will depend on whether you have good medical knowledge from your medical school already. So if you've already studied these materials well, even if that happened years ago, that will have the study strategy different from someone who just started preparing for the step exams without good medical knowledge from their school. And let's start with those who have good medical knowledge from their medical school. And again, by good medical knowledge, I don't mean necessarily you remember the details of the bacteria or viruses or how drugs interact with each other. I just mean good foundation of medicine that would help you understand the topics that will be discussed in these resources. So for those who have good medical knowledge, they can start with the two most important resources for step one, which are UOL and first aid. And let's start by talking about UOL. And the reason why I prefer to start with UOL for those who are trying now to pass the exam and they have good foundation of medicine is because it has explanation. As you'll see when we talk about first aid is a review book. It doesn't have the explanation of topics. So if you've studied these materials previously and now you're trying to uh, study them again, it's going to be hard to understand the concepts if you just start with first aid. That's why I recommend for those who have good foundation of medicine, they're trying to pass the exam to start with UOL. However, there are multiple things to keep in mind when you're using UOL as your first study resource to prepare for the step one. And the first one is it's fine if you answer some questions wrong. So some people get discouraged when they do a block of questions and they answer half of the questions wrong and they think that they're not ready to start using UOL. And this is a big misconception because the purpose of studying or using UOL is to learn step one material. It's not to test yourself. UOL is not an assessment tool. It's a studying tool. So it's fine if you answer the questions wrong or you don't know the explanation. That's why you need to read it. So in my opinion, even if you answer half of the block wrong or you're not sure of the answer, go on. Continue uh, solving blocks, reading the explanation, and you, with time, you'll see how your percentage is increasing. And even if your percentage doesn't increase, that's not the purpose of UOL. The purpose of UOL is to understand and learn, not to assess yourself. The second thing I recommend when using UOL as a first study resource is to understand the explanation very well. 
And sometimes you'll find it challenging to understand the explanation because you're not familiar with the topic. But actually, UL does a very good job of explaining the topics even for those who are not very familiar with it. So they have these amazing figures, tables, uh, they explain the whole topic rather than just the answer of the question. So sometimes when they present you with the diagnosis of the disease, they also talk about the pathophysiology, they talk about the treatment. So that's why you should focus on the whole explanation, look at the wrong answers, understand why they're wrong. And I'm going to make a detailed video on how to prepare for UOLD. But in this video, I'm just going to go over the main topics that you should keep in mind when you're studying UOLD. So even if you find that you're answering questions wrong, it's fine, go on, read the explanation, understand. And if you couldn't understand the explanation, you feel that there is something missing, you can search Google, you can search up to date. You don't have to read a whole immunology book or whole microbiology book to be able to understand certain topics. Remember that the exam has some high yield topics that you need to focus on. And these will be repeated multiple times throughout UOL. So you don't need to read a whole book and focus on some low yield topics while the high yield resource, which is UOL, is there. So if you are able to understand the explanation, perfect, go on, study it and go on. If you're not, you can use the help of Google or UpToDate or other resources to understand that specific explanation. And once you understand it, you can go to the next question. The third advice that I have for you when you're studying UWorld is to use it in a timed mode. I see so many students use UWorld in a tutor mode in which they solve a question, they see the answer, they solve a question, they see the answer. Remember that the exam itself is timed. The exam is not tutor. And you have a resource that can prepare you for the exam. So why not prepare in the exam style? So in my opinion, I recommend doing a full block, solving the questions in a timed mode one hour, and then you see the explanation and you study the explanation and then you go to the next block and so on. How much time should you spend on studying UOL? So UOL for step one currently has 3,600 questions and this number continues to increase. So, but for now, when we have 3,600 questions, if you study around 60 to 80 questions a day, that's almost one block and a half to two blocks. So that's around 45 to 60 days between month and a half to two months to go through the whole question bank. Just keep this number in mind when you're trying to estimate how much time the whole preparation will take for you. Taking notes is extremely important when you're studying anything because you will forget some information and you need to review it so you can commit it to the long-term memory. And that's why taking notes is important. And it's very challenging to take or go through the whole 3,600 questions again after you study it once. So you need to find a way to summarize that information in a shorter way. So after you're done with the whole 3,600 questions, you can review it in a shorter time period. And there are multiple strategies that you can use to take notes when you're studying UOL. And I made a detailed video on how to take notes when you're studying for the step one. But in this video, I'm going to go briefly over these. The first one is not to take written note or make it as minimal as possible because writing takes too much time and you want to optimize that time and use it for more studying rather than writing. The other thing is that you can take notes through the UWorld notebook. So now UWorld has introduced this feature in which you can take and copy uh, portions of the text into a notebook and you can divide it into biochemistry, immunology. So you can create your own notebook just by copying information from one place to another. You can color it, you can add figures, you can add tables. So that's an efficient way of taking notes while studying UWorld. The other way is flashcards. Some people love flashcards and this is a very common uh, way of studying or reviewing among students. So you can also do the same, take copy portions of the UL text into the flashcard and then review them on a uh, regular basis. Because one of the mistakes I see students make is that they prepare these thousands of flashcards and they never review them. So if you want to do flashcards, make sure that you review them 
in the recommended uh, time intervals every two days every week every month based on how good you perform with these flashcards and finally flagging questions because sometimes you want to review the question itself so these strategies I, I just talked about are for taking notes of the text mainly the explanation but what if you wanted to review the question or do this question two times or three times you don't want to go again through the 3600 questions you won't have time for that if you want to review a portion of these questions you can flag the questions and after you're done with the first round or when you're studying first aid or in your final days you can ask you all for only the flagged questions and in this way you can review maybe 500 questions or 600 questions instead of the whole question back so now that you're done with the first round of your UOLT, i recommend you do an assessment tool just to see where you stand because now after the first round of UOLT, if you're scoring 250s on the mbmes that means you're ready for the exam so you don't need to do many more things before you go to a pass fail exam and the passing score is 196 so if you're ready based on the mbme assessments or UOLT self-assessments i recommend you go to the exam but if you you see that you're still far away or you're not ready you can go to the next step that we'll talk about which is the first aid as i mentioned previously first aid is a review book so it doesn't have the explanation but it's an amazing resource to summarize all the information of step one in 600 pages so that's why i recommend using it after you use you all because now you already know the explanation of the high yield topics you already know what is high yield and what is low yield so now you can focus on putting these information into long-term memory or focusing on the most important things in one single book. I recommend you study first aid in the same order that it's made, but you can definitely start with one uh, area and then go back to another area. You don't have to follow the same order, but I recommend you, start, you study it in the same order. Regarding taking notes from first aid, I don't recommend taking notes from first aid. I would rather put uh, lines or colors over the, the book itself rather than copy it to another place. While studying first aid, I'm sure you'll encounter some paragraphs or some uh, information that you're not familiar with or you don't understand what these stand for and i recommend you use the same strategy that you use for you all ask google ask up to date pubmed to try to understand this topic itself rather than go and study a whole book just to understand one paragraph how many days should you take to study first aid the whole book is around 600 pages so if you study between 10 to 20 pages a day that means you can finish the book in one to two months and be careful not to rush studying pages some people tell me i study 50 pages a day maybe you're just reading it make sure that you actually understand and you're learning while you're studying because that's the purpose who cares if you can finish the book in two days if you're not uh, understanding these concepts and not putting it in your long-term memory so when you see it in the exam you would be able to answer the question some might ask what other resources i can do to prepare for the exam especially for those who don't have good medical knowledge as you remember we in the beginning we said that this strategy you all first aid applies only for those who have good foundation of medicine but what if someone doesn't remember anything or they didn't study well when, when they were in med school? For these, I recommend using other resources, but very quickly. Don't spend too much time on these resources because the purpose here is to understand the main things and pass the exam, not get a high score. So you can use the Kaplan uh, books, you can use Pathoma, you can use the High Yield Concepts. So there are multiple books and resources that you can use. And I have a detailed blog on how to uh, prepare for the step one in which I summarize the main resources for each of these topics. So you can check that, check that out. But in my opinion, you should not spend a long time using these resources before you jump into first in a new world. Make the whole purpose of these other resources if you don't have good medical knowledge is just to understand rather than study and memorize all the information. The studying and memorization should happen from UOL and first aid. These resources should be just 
a stepping stone for you to understand the more high yield concepts. And recently I launched a detailed course on how to prepare for the biostatistics part of the USMLE exam. Because I know that this is a part of the exam that many students are not comfortable with. So this course will help you understand the main high yield concepts of the exam, take you through exercises, quizzes, you'll solve yourself and, and see the explanation for that. So I highly recommend it for those who are preparing for the step one or other exams. And the course is very affordable. It starts from $25. And if you're not satisfied with the course, there is a 100% guarantee. You'll get 100% of your money back. Now, after you're done with your first round of first aid, I recommend you do another assessment tool. Because now you did one after you studied UWorld, now you studied first aid, you want to do another assessment tool and see how you're progressing. If you see that there is no improvement, then there is a problem. There is a problem in your studying strategy or you're not studying well, so you need to adjust that. If you see that you're ready and now you're scoring 250s to 60s on the assessment tools, that means you don't need to study more. You can just go to the exam. So that's why I recommend doing assessment tools spread apart throughout your preparation, not to see only if you're ready for the exam, but also to assess your progress and try to fix these mistakes when you're using the other resources. The best assessment tools and most predictive tools are the MBMEs and UL self-assessment. So you can start using these resources one after UWorld, one after first aid, and then with each revision, if you feel that you're not ready, you can use more of these assessment tools. Some might ask how high should I score on these assessment tools before I go and take the exam? And there is no one single and right answer to this question. And the reason is that all these assessment tools give you a margin of error. So they might predict your score plus minus 10 to 15. So if you score maybe to 10 on the assessment tool, on the exam, you might get 195. So that's why I recommend scoring around plus 20 or plus 30 on these assessment tools before you go and do the actual exam, because even if your score dropped, you're still within the safe margin of error. Because remember, although there is no score for step one anymore, you should not fail the exam. If you fail the exam, it would be a very negative on your CV. So that's why you should try to optimize your chances of uh, passing the exam and being as high as possible on the assessment tools. So in my opinion, 20 to 30 over the passing score, so around 220s to 230s on your assessment tools would be safer than a less score on these assessment tools. So how much time should I take overall to prepare for the step one after it becomes pass-fail? And the answer to this question would have been different if you're trying to score 250s and 260s when you had a three-digit score. So now after it becomes pass-fail, I recommend between two to six months to, for your preparation, depending on how much time you have a day, depending on your baseline knowledge, but it varies. Some students might finish it in one month if they have very good knowledge of the step one material, but generally between two to six months. What will be the most important factors in choosing applicants to interview and to match after the step one becomes pass-fail? And as you know, step one score was one of the most important factors in inviting applicants to interview at a program. So now it's gonna become pass-fail and it's not gonna play the role that it used to be. There are actually multiple studies that try to answer this specific question, including study I did myself. And studies have found that knowing the applicants personally, if they were in the same med school, or if that student did an away rotation, letters of recommendation, and step two CK scores will be the most important factors in inviting applicants to interview. So that's why you should try to shift the time that students used to spend on getting a high score towards getting a high score on step two CK, doing away rotations, electives, and I have a detailed video on how to find US clinical experience that I'll leave in the cards above and in the description below. So US clinical experience, research, trying to get good letters of recommendations and a good step two CK score. And one thing to keep in mind before we jump on the next question is having a good foundation from your step one will help you get a better step two CK score. So that's why don't just rush studying step one, try to understand, especially the high yield concepts, 
because that will help you get a better score on the step 2 CK. Now I want to end with a few tips on the last week of the exam preparation and the exam day itself. So for the last week of preparation, I get some, so many questions on what should I do? What should I study? So at this point, you're trying to focus on the main things that you studied during your preparation. You don't have time to repeat the whole UL question bank. You don't have time to repeat the whole first aid book. So that's why you should be very focused in what you do during this week. So one thing you can do is review these notes or these flashcards that you made from UL. You can review these flat questions you made from UL. Review the main things that you don't feel comfortable with when studying first aid. So try to focus on the things that you don't feel comfortable with and solve as many questions as possible. So at least solve between 80 to 100 questions a day so you can keep uh, your fitness in solving questions because that will help you on the exam day. And for the day before the exam itself, I don't recommend you stress yourself too much or you stay till midnight trying to study an extra paragraph on an extra page. Because remember the step one exam, step two CK exam, they don't test your short term knowledge they test your long-term knowledge and it's unlikely that you would get a question from something you studied last night or even if you get an extra question or two you might miss more because now you're stressed and you're missing something you already know so that's why i recommend you stop studying the day before the exam in the afternoon around 5 6 pm depending on how much you feel comfortable with of course but don't stay late trying to study an extra page or two. For sleeping aid, I don't recommend you start something new because you don't want to take something that makes you sleep, but then you wake up the next day feeling very tired or you don't have energy. So if you want to use anything, make sure you try it days or weeks before, try it multiple times, see if it makes you sleepy the next day. And if not, you can use it the exam day. Now some tips for the exam day itself. So first, I recommend you take the breaks between the block. I know some students prefer to uh, do two blocks and then they take a break or do five, six blocks and then they take a break. But in my opinion, I recommend you take the break in every single block, even if you can go for a minute or two. That helps you change the environment, helps you go out from the exam mode for a few seconds and then you come back and refresh, you just move your body. So you don't need to take the five or 10 minutes in each break, but at least just go change your mood and come back to the exam. Another tip is about eating and drinking. Don't bring something that would make you sleepy after you eat it. I used to eat small portions of snacks or food between the breaks, but don't eat something heavy or a large portion because you would be sleepy in the block afterwards. Also coffee. I know that not all students use coffee, but me myself, I used to bring a big cup of coffee and I used to sip it between the blocks because you don't want to drink the whole cup and then feel nervous or agitated after you drink the whole thing but you can take small portions based on what you feel comfortable with. Also, I used to get a headache after sitting for seven, eight hours trying to solve questions. So I take prophylactically a Tylenol pill between maybe third, fourth block and another one between five and six. And finally, there are questions in the exam that you will not know. No matter how much you study, there will be questions that you have no idea about. So for these questions, try to get the best answer for based on your knowledge and go on. Don't spend five minutes on a question and then forget about the rest and you would be missing a question that you, you know and you won't have time to do it anymore. So in my opinion, if you find a very difficult question, then just give your best guess and go to the next question. And at the end, if you have extra time at the end of the block, you can come back to it. So there are two strategies here to go back to questions that you're not sure of. You can flag them and you can go at the end of the block to all these flat questions or you can leave it unanswered. However, this is a risk because sometimes you might not have time to go back to these unanswered questions and answer them because remember in the exam, they don't deduct points if you answer a question wrong. So even if you throw it and get your best guess, there is around 20% chance of you guessing the answer. So don't leave any question unanswered, answer all the questions, but some students might prefer to go back 
to these unanswered questions at the end, but just make sure that you leave time to that. Because sometimes you might feel rushed at the end and you don't have time to go back to these unanswered questions. So either you flag the questions, so you answer it, and then you put the flag at the end uh, and go back to these questions at the end, or you leave it unanswered, but make sure that you leave some time to go back to these unanswered questions and at least answer something. And the final question that I want to answer today is how will the step one pass fail affect international medical graduates or IMGs? In my opinion, you should not focus too much on how this will affect IMGs because the decision is made, there is nothing you can do. What you should be asking is, what can I do after the step one pass becomes pass fail to optimize my chances of matching? And in my opinion, the answer to that is good step two CK score, definitely passing step one from the first attempt, don't fail the exam, getting good letters of recommendation, good US clinical experience, especially electives, trying to do research, volunteering activities, initiative in, in, in your school, and that will help optimize your CV to match into residency. So don't stress too much about the change itself, but try to improve all the other aspects in your application. That brings us to the end of this video. I hope the information provided will help you better prepare for your step one after it becomes pass fail. If you have any questions about step one, step two CK, or any aspect of the US residency journey, make sure to leave them in the comments below, or feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Malka Asad, or my Facebook page, Malka Asad MD. If you need one-on-one -on -one guidance on how to prepare for the step one after it becomes pass-fail, check our services on the matchguide.com, and I'll leave the link for that in the cards above and in the description below. And also, if you're preparing for the step one exam, don't forget to check out my biostatistics course, which will help you in all aspects related to the biostat of the step one exam. If you find any value in this video, make sure to hit the like button, press on the bell sign so you get notified whenever I post future videos about the USMLE exams, and click on the subscribe to become part of this amazing YouTube community. Thank you everyone so much for watching, and see you in future videos.